You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Time Magazine listed Rob Bell in its 100 most influential people in the world. He's got a lot to be held accountable for before Jesus one day. Because love wins, Sam says the same thing uh, that the gospel of inclusion says. God's not going to send anybody to an internal damnation. Because in the end, love wins. Loving God would never do that. It's not true. He's a very loving God. He's also a God of justice. He's both. Many Christians today will have much to answer for when they meet Jesus. Today, Pastor Danny isn't denying their salvation, but he reminds us that we can't take apart the Bible and digest only the parts that make us feel good. Some truth is really hard. Some truth doesn't fit into our culture. But the Holy Spirit inspired every word of the Bible to be written down. There's meaning and there's purpose to all of it. God is the greatest author there ever was and that there ever will be. Who are we to pick and choose what to take to heart? Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 2 Peter chapter 2 for today's edition of The Living Word. Arminianism is the basis for doctrine in most Methodist, Wesleyan, Nazarene, Pentecostal, free will, Baptist, holiness, and some charismatic churches. Now, there's a point to all this. I'm not just talking theology just to talk theology. This little booklet, Calvary Chapel, not our Calvary Chapel, Calvary Chapel uh, put out, uh, Calvinism versus Arminianism. We have them in the bookstore, just a little easy to read booklet. I want to read you a couple of things, though, just uh, for, well, FYI. In here, they uh, quote a guy, Philip Schaff, uh, in a thing he did called The History of the Christian Church. Listen carefully. You've got to be alert today. You've got to listen. Calvinism emphasizes divine sovereignty and free grace. Arminianism emphasizes human responsibility. Did you hear that? The one restricts the saving grace to the elect. The other extends it to all men on the condition of faith. Both are right in what they assert. Both are wrong in what they deny. If one important truth is pressed to the exclusion of another truth of equal importance, it becomes an error and loses its hold upon the conscience. The Bible gives us a theology which is more human than Calvinism and more divine than Arminianism and more Christian than either of them. Now, I personally say amen to that. Now, let me read you, let me read you here. These things can never be intellectually reconciled because God is simply too big for us to understand. Both systems of theology emphasize one set of scriptures while either ignoring or drastically twisting and explaining away others. That's why Calvary Chapel is a movement, and I'm not saying this to pat Calvary Chapel on the back. Don't take it that way. That's not the way I mean it. 
But Calvary Chapel, Pastor Chuck Smith and the movement has chosen that we are not Calvinist, but we are not Arminianist. We are not either in the strict teaching of either of those. We want to be Biblicist. And there are verses on both sides. Now, now let me give you the emphasis of Scripture. Here's the emphasis of Scripture. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Don't you realize Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. The emphasis is not on do I have it unconditionally, no matter what my lifestyle is like, and I'll never lose it. And the emphasis is not, I wonder if I lost my salvation today, this week, this month, last year. No. No. The emphasis is examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Listen, by this gospel you're saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. John 15, 4, here's what Jesus said. Just listen to it. Remain in me, I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the, ooh, he said it, the fire. He said it. I didn't say it. Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and have shipwrecked their faith. Chapter 6, same book, 1 Timothy, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. That's what it says. That doesn't give me comfort to say I can just do what I want and, and believe something that's not a part of what's been passed on to the apostles. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. And he goes on to say, make sure this anointing remains in you. Folks, it's divine work and human responsibility. I'm not saying we're saved by what we do. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely unbiblical. We're saved by grace through faith. Another vital issue in the text is the perseverance and truth and godliness in a very ungodly culture. And I could talk a lot about that, but I just want to state it. It's, it's there because it talks about uh, Noah. It talks about Lot. Uh, the idea is the contrast between the ungodly who were ultimately judged and the godly who were the minority, the minority. And we're living in a day. We're living in a day. We're in a, it, it's, it's, it's a challenge to continue to stand for uh, the whole truth of the Word of God and the, the fate that was once delivered to the saints. And I'm going to talk about that and give you some practical examples of why uh, that's true. Perseverance. Truth and godliness in a very ungodly culture. But here's one of the main things in the text, and we want to spend a little time on it, and that is the certainty of future judgment. Gives the example of the flood. Gives the example of the Sodom and Gomorrah as an example of what will happen to the ungodly. When we get to chapter 3 of Second Peter, the flood will be mentioned again. Uh, and he will tell us, God will tell us through the pen of Peter that some people deliberately forget about the judgment in the flood. And then forgetting that, they forget that this present uh, world is reserved for fire. There's going to be another universal judgment. And it ought to cause us to sober up 
and live in light of that, the future judgment. Uh, Jude verse 7 says the same thing, that Sodom and Gomorrah were examples of what will happen to the ungodly. But here's the deal. Here's where we live. The latest I can find of Barna, uh, the Barna and the associates with them, they do a lot of polls among Christians and non-Christians. And the Barna associates uh, say that only 31% see hell as a place of physical torment where people may be sent. Only 31%. And it's reducing. It's getting lower, not higher. Um, One person said you can traverse the entire United States on any given Sunday morning and you very probably will not hear a sermon on the judgment of God or eternal punishment. One uh, theologian said, evangelicals have voted by the silence of their voices that they either do not believe in the doctrine of hell or else no longer have the courage and conviction to stand and say anything about it. Another guy says, I think what we face in the church today is a virtual eclipse of the character of God. Uh, The irony, he goes on to say, is that evangelicals consider one sermon about God's judgment to be among the greatest evangelistic messages ever preached. You might have heard of it. It was delivered in 1741 by a guy named Jonathan Edwards, and the title of Jonathan Edwards' message was Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Now, uh, I talked a little bit about this Wednesday night because we did Genesis 18 and 19, Sodom and Gomorrah, so it just was there, and it's there in this passage, that there are some influences today uh, away from people even preaching, talking about, and thinking about judgment, eternal judgment. And one of them, and I I don't mean this in any way uh, slanderously or negatively, it's just it is what it is, but the seeker-sensitive church movement. I believe Bill Hybels is going to be with the Lord, with me. I believe we're going to spend eternity together, and we're going to love one another, and we still will love one another today. I've never met the guy. I don't know him. He's a great guy, I'm sure, uh, but he's the, known as the father of the seeker-sensitive church movement. Um, and he says, and I quote, I don't think fear is a tactic really moves people toward faith these days. One of the churches uh, birthed by Willow Creek, uh, the pastor there says uh, he believes the people who come to his church want to know how to improve their lives and their marriages. Well, I can buy that. I, I agree with that. But he says preaching a sermon like sinners in the hands of an angry God wouldn't work today. When most Americans seemingly have it all, and I quote him, today I think the title of that sermon would be, I went on vacation and felt empty inside. I'm not trying to be funny or sarcastic. It is what it is. It is what it is. But let me tell you something. We're going to be true to the word of God. We've been, listen, another theologian goes on to say, there's no need of a gospel. Nobody needs a gospel if there's no judgment. If God is not a God of judgment, if there's no such thing as hell, what good is the gospel? The gospel tells us we're saved from the wrath that is to come. He goes on to say, we're not supposed to add offense to the gospel, but if we try to take out the offense that's already there, then we're offending God. And if we're offending Christ, then we're not proclaiming the whole counsel of God. You think I enjoy doing a message like this? You you think I didn't want to skip over 2 Peter? You think I didn't want to skip over Genesis 18 and 19? There's a lot of verses in the Bible I just choose not to deal with. Or I'd like to choose, but I don't have that choice. At least I don't choose that. I don't take that. I don't make that choice. I'm predestined to preach the whole truth. That was a bad joke. That was a bad joke. I need to throw some names out to you because I love you. Carlton Pearson. He was uh, taken under Oral Roberts' wings years ago. He became uh, very well-known. He planted a church, 
uh, and it became a, a mega church. He's a part of a congregation called the Church of God in Christ uh, at the time. And not too long ago, he wrote a book. He's changed his views. And he wrote a book called The Gospel of Inclusion. And uh, Carlton Pearson doesn't believe that anybody's going to be judged. There is no judgment. A loving God wouldn't send anybody to an eternal damnation. Don't buy the book. Don't invest in, don't invest in his ministry. He's a heretic. I'm telling you like it is. You can't, you can't teach that and say you're standing for the word of God. You can't do that. And that's what this text is telling us. But these are people that are among us, and these are people that were once with us. John said if they were really of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out on their own. And now they're teaching things that aren't scriptural or not sound doctrine. There's another name. Uh, that I just, people bring his name up all these years, and I'm like, I, I don't even need to hear it. I don't need to hear it. Well, I, I probably was wrong. I mean, I, because I, I'm like, well, he's teaching a false doctrine. Don't even pay him any attention. But unfortunately, a lot of people are. Rob Bell. Rob Bell, I did some more studying um, Friday, and he initially studied under one of my main mentors from uh, Liberty, uh, Eddie Dobson. Eddie Dobson pastoring in Michigan, and uh, Rob Bell went there. I didn't know this for years and, and was under uh, Eddie Dobson, Pastor Eddie Dobson. But somewhere along the way, he got his own ideas about some of this doctrine, truth. And he wrote a book called Love Wins. 2011 Time Magazine listed Rob Bell in its 100 most influential people in the world. He's got a lot to be held accountable for before Jesus one day. Because love wins, Sam says the same thing uh, that the gospel of inclusion says. God's not going to send anybody to an internal damnation. Because in the end, love wins. Loving God would never do that. It's not true. He's a very loving God. He's also a God of justice. He's both. He's both. Now, hang with me. Go on. Go on just a little Bible journey. I'm talking a little. This is a little Bible journey. All right, you, this is a little Bible journey. I'm talking, these are only sample verses. There's a lot more. There's a lot more. Go with me. Listen to what John the Baptist said. Matthew chapter 3. He comes on the scene. He's got one string on his prophetic message guitar. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he says in verse 10, the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Two verses down, verse 12, he's talking about Jesus. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He'll clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Matthew chapter 5 Verse 22, and we're not going to talk about the meaning behind this. Don't have time to do that, but just get what it says. Jesus said again, anyone who says to his brother, Rakah, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Jesus said that. Matthew chapter 7, verse 19, uh, Jesus talking about knowing a tree by its fruit. And then he says, chapter 7, verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Uh, chapter 8 of Matthew and verse 12. But the subjects of the kingdom, those who should have been there, who they thought would be there, other people thought they'd be there, will be thrown outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
That's serious. Chapter 13 of Matthew and verse 24, Jesus tells the parable of the weeds and the wheat. I mentioned it earlier. And then you jump over to verse 37 and he explains the parable to his disciples. And he says, verse 40, as the weeds are pulled up and burned into the fire, in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels. They'll weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew chapter 13, verse 47 he tells the parable of the kingdom of heaven like a net let down into a lake called all kinds of fish. They collected the fish. They put the good on one basket. They put the bad on another. And he says, verse 49, this is how it'll be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He says this over and over and over again. Chapter 18, Matthew, verse 8. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Chapter 22 of Matthew, verse 13. The king told the attendants, tie this guy hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Chapter 24, verse 45, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It'll be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. But then he goes on, verse 50, the master of that servant who doesn't do that, but he ends up going back to the old lifestyle or getting away from the narrow path will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour he's not aware of. He'll cut him to pieces, assign him a place with the hypocrites where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You find it over and over and over and over again. The whole Bible ends in Revelation chapter 20 this way. And here's what it says. Chapter 20, verse 11. And then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and hell gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. And then death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I don't like it. I like to rip all those pages and everything Jesus said about eternal fire and weeping and gnashing of teeth. But if I do that, there I go with all the other false teachers. There I go with all the others that have bought into something that their own itching ears desire. And they say, we just don't believe a loving God would ever do that to anybody. Well, you haven't read or you don't believe the Bible because that's what it says. Now you say, that's not the kind of God I want to serve. I understand that. I sit sometimes thinking about family members that don't seem to know the Lord. I pray for often. And I have a hard time coming to terms with eternal damnation. 
I could buy in better to what Jehovah's Witnesses teach, that they're going to be annihilated and then there'll be no more. You won't be conscious anymore. You won't be a being anymore. I can buy into that. That sounds much better. That sounds more of what a loving God would do. But that's not what the Bible says. That's not what it says. Revelation says the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. The smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. Now, before you tune God out, just think of a verse before I show these. Hebrews 10.31 says, It's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's a dreadful thing. But here's what, here's what the Bible also says. The offer of salvation is to everyone. Everyone. Here's what the Lord says in Ezekiel 18. I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. He says in Ezekiel chapter 33, say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. You might know this verse. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. The parable in Matthew 25 of the sheep and goats that Jesus told, and in the end he says God's going to separate uh, the sheep from the goats. and He's going to say to the sheep, come, come into the kingdom, come on. He's going to say to the goats, depart from me into eternal fire. You know what the next line is? Prepared for the devil and his angels. I hope you're challenged if you're a strict Calvinist because Jesus died for every single man, every single woman, every single person, and his blood and his sacrifice is sufficient. Otherwise, you can't say whosoever will. You can't say that. Otherwise, you can't say God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Jesus died for all men. And there is no person in hell that needs to be there. They chose. They made a choice. Because God's done absolutely everything he can that every single person that would make a choice and repent just means to turn. Turn from the way you're going. Turn from we all like sheep have gone our own way. We've all gone astray. And now turn and come back to the God who created you and to the Savior who died for you. Maybe somebody would like to do that right now. Bow with me. Somebody needs to be saved. It's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Nobody ever saw my friend going to the hospital on Thursday morning thinking he had severe flu, and now he's facing eternity. And barring a miracle, barring a miracle, he's headed for eternity. Now, I believe he knows the Lord, so I'm going to see him again. But don't you sit here if that's the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart and say, I don't think I'm ready today. Come on, come on. That's, that's foolishness. Today's the day of salvation. Today. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. That's why it says repeatedly, today, today, today. Now's the time. Now's the time. Don't put it off. Today's the day for you to be saved. And if that's you, you just pray this. You're praying to him. He's hearing you. He hears your heart. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Forgive me. Come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Now help me to live for you 
the rest of this life. In Jesus' name. We're so thankful you tuned in for today's edition of The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. As we continue to learn from the book of 2 Peter together, we pray that this study challenges you to live a life more like Christ. Peter walked with Jesus for three years, and he had the opportunity to see firsthand what it means to live like Jesus. Aren't you glad we have his writings to help us grow in our faith? If you'd like to hear more teachings like this from Pastor Danny or hear today's message again, head on over to our website, ccfstpete.church. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to be notified when we post anything new. And if you're ever in or near the St. Petersburg area, we would love to meet you. At Calvary Chapel Fellowship, the church behind this ministry, we meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and again on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. It's an incredible time of worship and Bible study. You can find directions and more by going to our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. If you're unable to join us in person, we also offer a live stream of our weekend services. Just visit our website and click on the link in the menu. Pastor Danny has more to share from this series, so we hope you'll tune in again next time. We're glad to know that you're a part of our listening audience, and we're praying for you. We hope that you'll continue to tune in as we learn more from 2 Peter right here on The Living Word.